So we dealt with the elders in the ministry in verses 17 through 20. And so now we're looking at verses 21 through 23. And uh, Paul, again, speaking to Timothy, he said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. And he tells him, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. And so the Lord wants the pastor to maintain some stability in the work. And what Paul does here is he's talking about balance in the ministry to Timothy. And so we're going to talk about that here. And Paul now charges this young pastor with how important it is to maintain that stability and to have a balance in the ministry. And so bringing this balance, what is it do it requires you and the leaders to not show preferential treatment toward others so he says if we're going to have a balance in the ministry we've got to make sure that we don't show preferential treatment to other people so we can't do that one of the things that i share with the church is is i always ask this one question and that is is that uh do people who are in leadership positions tithe and i have a responsibility before god to know whether our leadership tithes or not now i don't know how much they tithe but all i want to know is do they tithe? If they stop tithing, I need to know that as the pastor of the local church because I never want to be to the place where I'm showing preferential treatment to one over another. But all members of the church should tithe, but specifically the leaders because God says if you don't tithe, then he requires us to do that. He wants us to be a part of this, but when we do not, he calls us a thief. And so you can't have a thief on the leadership team. You've got to have somebody who's willing to give. And so I don't ask how much. I just ask if they do. And that, as a pastor, I have a responsibility to do that. And then there are no seniority rights in the church of God. It's not like being on the job and you have seniority rights inside the church. Now, the Bible clearly teaches us that we ought to honor the elders of the church. And I just talked to you last week about the dignity and the honor that you ought to show to the men who are deacons in the church and to the pastor and to their families, to their wives. And uh, we need to extend that to them. And the Bible says that those folks are worthy of some double honor. And so we need to treat them with the utmost dignity uh, that we can. But there are no seniority rights in the church of God. And Paul wanted Timothy to obey the word of God, no matter what his feelings were about a person or a situation. And what we can do wrong in a local church is is we can allow our feelings to dictate what we do rather than the truth of the Word of God sometimes. And feelings are wrong. How many of you understand that? Feelings can be wrong. They're not always right. But do you know that what is right without fail? God's Word. It will always honor itself. It will always be right. And so we have to maintain things based on the truth of the Word of God. So all members in a local church have the same standing before the Lord and His Word. And to show prejudice, really if we show any prejudice as a people, we disobey God's Word because we're not doing what God has called us to do. And so by doing that, sometimes showing uh, being a prejudice toward one or another, we make matters worse sometimes rather than really holding to truth. Peter said this, <clears throat> And uh, Luke writing in Acts 10, 34 and 35, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And you say, well, that's in relationship to salvation. Well, that's true. <laughs> but if he's no respecter of persons in salvation, why would he be a respecter of persons any, in any other avenue? Uh, we all have the same uh, standing with God. And so as we look at this, he said, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So 
Why am I talking about balance? Well, to keep a balance in the ministry, make sure you're not quick to fill a slot because you can end up with an immature Christian. And so what he tells Timothy here, he said, lay hands suddenly on no man. Now, that's not talking about grabbing him by the neck and shaking him. <laughs> He's talking about the very fact that you have to watch people for a while. And sometimes what happens to us in a church ministry is we see an opening and we immediately want to put somebody in it, <clears throat> not really even considering their spiritual maturity or their spiritual growth. And so he challenges Timothy to wait and to make sure that men and women have matured to some level and you can observe that maturity in their life and you place them in those positions. And so uh, that slot needing filled is important, but you don't want to do it with an immature Christian. And it's spiritually dangerous when you become impulsive. It's spiritually dangerous when you become impulsive. In fact, being impulsive in your own lives, it's, it's dangerous. And you don't want to be an impulsive person uh, you want to allow God to lead you rather than be impulsive. And sometimes we can do that, and we'll place a new Christian or a new member in a place of spiritual responsibility, and they're not ready to handle it. Uh, I watched some disastrous things happen through the years <laughs> where they would uh, quickly, someone would get saved, baptized, be in a church for a short period of time, or they just came from another church, and the people in this church know them, and they say, well, yeah, they've been doing this for a long time. And I've watched disastrous things happen because they've never waited a moment just to see how they're doing. And so you hold back for a while, and he's trying to tell Timothy, don't, don't get quick to put people in the ministry. Uh, just because you need help, you need to watch them and observe them and, and make sure that it's being done right. And so God desires for the pastor and the church to use spiritual wisdom and guidance. Now let me tell you what that means. In selecting its officers, including a pastor. So let's say tomorrow God decides to take Pastor Warnick home. And the recommendation that I would make to Chris and to Jim, and I believe it ought to be in our church constitution, is this. That without praying and fasting, you ought not even look at a man first. And this is not a popularity contest. <laughs> this is about electing and putting someone in a position that you believe God has called, and when they come, they believe God has called them, and the marriage begins. What it is, is whenever you get a pastor or you're seeking out a pastor, what you should do is this. You should, in fact, pray and fast as a church body. And as they bring a name to you, pray and you fast about it. And what these men would do is look that over and decide to bring someone. But they haven't done it themselves without having prayed and fasted first. And what you're doing is you're seeking God, not just a good orator or someone who has a good track record, or someone who has had success in the past. By the way, success in the past does not constitute what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> and, and I think the church itself has experienced that at times, but the fact is, is this, is that what you need is, you need God to help you make that selection. And once you've prayed and you've fasted, you're not laying hands suddenly on no man. And credentials in the world are not, not necessarily the best credentials before God. <laughs> and, and so what you want is you want a man uh, that's going to come and he's going to preach the truth of the word of God and he's going to reach people with the gospel and he's going to do things according to the scriptures, not his own ways. And so you're challenged as a church body. So say the Lord take me home tomorrow. The recommendation I would make to these men tonight is, first of all, I would fast and pray about who I bring. And then I wouldn't choose them based on how good they look. <laughs> or how well they dress, or how well they speak, I would seek God in that thing. 
And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And God teaches us some things in the scriptures. So even when we're choosing out, say, deacons, pray and fast as we do it. Don't just do it, pray and fast about it. And what does God want us to do? If we just say, well, I've known them for years, and I've known this about them, and I've known, and that's good, and we can see some observable things in their life, but is that God's choice? Let me give you a great example. When Samuel went to find the next king, Samuel went and looked at all the sons, didn't he? And when he looked at all the sons, he said, it's none of these. The father's like, well, there's a ruddy fellow out in the field out there, <laughs> David. And he goes, and guess who's God's choice was? Man looketh on the outside, but God seeth the what? He knows. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. And so we want to consult the one who knows what we need rather than base it off of how we feel. Now, the reason I share that with you is because let's say something comes up and you need a new pastor and God take me home and you would need something like that. What would you do? Don't just get a bunch of resumes in and say, well, this one looks good. Now, at some point, you have to make some decisions about things. But what I would do is I would lay those out, I would read them, and I would pray, and I would fast, and I'd ask God, who should we call? <laughs> I wouldn't just choose. I would ask God what he would have us to do. When a peace comes, by the way, and by the way, in James, it tells us very clearly, in James chapter 3, verse 17, there is a peace that comes from above. And, and, and there is that wisdom which cometh from above. And that type of wisdom and that type of peace is what you're looking for in making decisions. Now, let me challenge the church with this. Not just in making decisions in the church, but how about for your own families? And, and decisions that you're making individually. And the Bible says in James 3.17, there's a wisdom which cometh from above, but it's first pure, then peaceable. It's fully entreated. It's without hypocrisy. God is not a hypocrite. He doesn't go back on his word. He stands with it. So Paul telling Timothy here, he's saying, hey, listen, when you do this, don't do it so quick. Wait a moment. Put some time into this and think about what you're doing. And so God desires for the pastor in the church to use spiritual wisdom and guidance in selecting officers, and that includes a pastor. And so what James tells us is that wisdom which is from above, he said it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's without partiality. And without hypocrisy, if you really want to know what God wants you to do, seek God out. Not our emotions, not our feelings, not our thoughts, but what would God have us to do? And in many cases, even in decisions in our own homes, here's what we do. We've made a decision and we go to God and we say, God, I want you to bless the decision that I made. And God isn't going to operate that way. I should take my decisions before the Lord and say, Lord, what should I do? <laughs> And let God bring that peace into your life. And let him challenge you with the decisions that you're making. Don't make the decision and then ask God to bless it. And so we see that happen in so many people's Christian lives that they go before God and have already made the decision. I'll give you a great example of this. I had a couple early on in my ministry. They came into my office and they asked me <clears throat> a question. They said, how do you feel about bankruptcy? Well, my feelings don't matter, do they? <laughs> How I feel about it is unimportant. 
So I told God, or I told the couple that God said, oh, no man anything but to love them, right? And so God teaches us to do something right in our finances as well. And what it is is that even if I file bankruptcy, it doesn't mean I don't really owe that money. I still do. And the fact is, as I said, it's not wise to do that. And we could talk about legal issues and other issues that can cause complications for you and everything like that. But what does God want us to do? He, if we owe a debt, we ought to pay it, right? And so they said, well, uh, we've already filed bankruptcy. We just wanted you to pray with us about the decision that we made. We already asked God. And, and, and I said, well, obviously, if you've already made a decision, guess what I can do? Even if I tell you what the Bible says, it's not going to change what you've already done. And too many people make decisions and then ask God to bless it. And the reality is, is we ought to do just the opposite. We ought to ask God what it is that we should do. Now, not just for uh, the personal gains of the household or the needs of the home, but also for the local church. And by the way, the church doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. This is the house of God. It belongs to him. And why wouldn't you consult the leader about what he would have us to do? And so the challenge is, is this subject here, uh, don't allow uh, some other things to take place. Now notice what he says. He said, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. And he says, this subject that, that Timothy's dealing with here, uh, he says, listen, don't uh, let yourself be caught up by destructive talk. And by the way, we can talk to one another and we can become very destructive in our talk. And gossip, by the way, doesn't have to be false. It can be true, but it's still gossip. And we have to be conscientious of this. And he's telling Timothy right here, he's saying, hey, listen, be careful. Uh, he said, uh, uh, don't uh, be a partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. And, and I challenge the church to do just this. And, and I shared this thought with you already. I told you about a situation that I was in in the bus ministry. And I, I took the woman to the young man and said, you tell him what you just told me. You've heard me tell that story multiple times. And the reason that I do is, is because gossip is so destructive. Gossip is so destructive. And it doesn't matter whether you're doing it through social media or you're just talking to someone on the telephone or you're in a room alone with someone. When you gossip, it's destructive. You are not building people up. And the Bible clearly says, let each esteem others better than themselves. And I share this with you. If I'm gossiping about someone or if I'm tearing someone down, I'm obviously not esteeming them, am I? Yet the Bible says not to gossip, and the Bible says to esteem others better than ourselves. And so if we're busy talking about other people, my mom used to say, well, if they're talking about me, at least they're leaving others alone. My mom used to say all kinds of little ditties all the time, but she would say at least they're leaving someone else alone. But the reality is that can be very destructive. And he's telling Timothy, hey, be careful. Don't get involved in other men's sins. And you want to be conscientious about that, folks. You don't want to get drawn in by other people's sin. And the Bible clearly says if sinners entice thee, do what? What does it say? So if someone's gossiping, and we know that gossip in the scriptures, God likens it to evildoers and murderers in Peter. He clumps them in with that. Are you with me? Where does that place that person? So if they're a sinner, they're sinning because they're gossiping. And gossip doesn't have to be false. It can be true. Oftentimes, there's a lot of false that goes along with it, but you need to be careful that you're not doing that. 
because it's destructive. So he tells Timothy, he said, hey, be careful. Be careful what you're doing. Uh, and don't get yourself drawn in by what other men are doing wrong. And you get drawn in by that, and it could cause you to fall. Now, as a local New Testament church, we need to be very careful about that. We need to be very careful. Hey, listen, don't, don't always look at people and see what they're doing wrong. Try to see some of the right in them. Now, it doesn't mean that people don't need to be rebuked because they do at times. But the fact is, is try to look at the good and not the negativity all the time. And, and, and listen, negative people are hard to be around. How many agree with that? It's hard to be around negative people, man. And when they're just constantly negative, it is hard to talk to them. It's hard to have a conversation with them because everything's a downer and everybody's wrong and nobody does anything right except for them. <laughs> and, and you're thinking, wow. And it's just hard to deal with. And, and what you don't want to do is you don't want to involve yourself in those types of things. You don't want to get drawn away. And just because someone who is a Christian does something doesn't make it right. <laughs> and you say, well, they do that. So I decide I'm going to skip out on God's house and go do something else on the day that I'm supposed to be in the house of the Lord, well, if they do that, I might as well do that. Because if they're doing it, they're a Christian, so it must be right. It's okay to do those things, isn't it? And the reality is, is no, it's not okay. Well, if they do it, I saw them do it, and you know, I, I, I saw the Rices do it, so if the Rices did it, it's okay for the Warnicks to do it, isn't it? That's not how it operates. God requires some things of us, doesn't he? And, and the thing of it is, is when you see other people sinning, don't get involved in their sin. Don't get drawn away by it. Allow yourself to understand and know the biblical principles that we need to follow. Why am I talking about balance in the ministry? Balance in the ministry is just that. There are times where we need to show great love to our people and compassion, and we need to love them. And then there's a time that we need to correct things. And by the way, the Holy Spirit does a great job at correcting people. And sometimes it's not our job. We're not the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be correcting everybody all the time. But there are times where rebuke is required, <clears throat> and we have to do just that. Now, here comes the subject. You ready? Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. I have heard so many Christians use this as a tool to say it's okay to drink. And I want to tell you, when I read this, and I've studied it in depth, this was purely for medicinal purposes. And by the way, when he says, use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, the word is puny. <laughs> it means very, very little. It's like taking some cough medicine, if you will, on a teaspoon. When I read it, it doesn't say, drink a fifth of whiskey for thy stomach's sake. <laughs> it doesn't say... Drink an entire bottle of red wine. And I don't care what the doctors say, man. God says that wine is a what? It's a mocker, isn't it? So it doesn't matter what the world says, and it doesn't matter what someone's interpretation of that might be. He was saying, hey, Timothy. Now, even if there was alcohol in it, he said, use a puny little bit to help your stomach. But the fact is, is I don't believe it was alcohol, <laughs> Because if you look at grape juice and the antioxidants that are in it and the usefulness of that stuff, it's very good for the body. And, and he was telling him, even if it did have alcohol in it, and I'm telling you, I don't think it did, he said, use a puny little bit. He didn't say use a little puny little bit every 30 seconds either. He said, just use a little bit for your stomach. Now, there are times where uh, the pastor gets ill, he has problems, and he needs to take care of himself.
And Paul was just simply trying to say, hey, keeping a balance in the ministry, you have to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your physical body. And so he was communicating this to Timothy. It has nothing, nothing to do with drinking. It has nothing to do with it. And so when people tell you, well, the Bible says that Timothy was supposed to have, yeah, but I don't see a fifth, I don't see a gallon of wine, and I don't see anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. He didn't say have a Budweiser. He didn't say have a Miller's. He didn't say have a genuine draft. He didn't say any of those things. He simply said, have a little wine, puny little teaspoonful to help your stomach when it's upset. So something was going on. And I'm sure the water in those days, you didn't run down the Lowe's and buy a filter and stick it on your water on your pump. <laughs> or you didn't have a, 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 a filter for your well. And so there was a lot of impurities in some of that water that they were drinking, and the stuff that God was providing was much more pure. And so remember, when you hear that, it has nothing to do with that. But what he was trying to challenge Timothy with was this thing, take care of yourself. Bring a balance to the ministry. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your family as well. Now, this is a reminder that the pastor and the workers need to make sure they take care of their physical health, helping to bring a balance between work and rest. And that's important, too, that rest comes along. And so lastly, this. The leaders must have and maintain a good testimony. Look at verses 24 and 25. It says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also, the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. And so the servants of the ministry, the challenge here is also to choose your leaders wisely for some do not have a good testimony. And that's why you check people out. You find out what their testimony is. And it's not just about how someone behaves inside the church. It's how they behave in the community as well. What are they like when no one else is watching almost, right? Or when they think no one else is watching. And so they need to have a good testimony. And, 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 or uh, they had a good testimony and maybe they've lost it. And we need to be aware of that. And, and we want to make sure uh, that they're not following other sinners. So when choosing a pastor or leader, take it to the Lord in prayer, fast and pray. Seek God out and help you truly look at their testimony and not just a friendship. And sometimes we base things on friendship and, and we have to be careful about that as well. It can't just be friendship. It still has to be based upon truth. My relationships with people whom I care about still have to have a biblical basis. I have a friend, Steve Simons, whom I love. I think the world of Steve. Steve would do anything for me. And, and if you saw him, he looks like a big Marine. He's a redhead. He keeps his head shaved all the time. Big dude. And Steve and I were fishing buddies, and we went fishing together all the time. And, and, and I got saved, and I began to talk to him about the Lord. But Steve continues down a path of drinking and uh, running around and doing things he ought not be doing. And I know I can't partake of that. Now, if I see Steve, I'll talk to him, but I can't maintain the same kind of relationship I had with him when I was unsaved. And I know that to be a fact. And there are times where we have to be conscientious about just that very thing. And we have to be conscientious about people and their testimonies. And many Christians have fallen away from the Lord because of friendship. Instead of assessing another's actions, attitude, and spirit toward leadership and, and sin, and whether it's biblical, what they do is, is they base it just on how they feel about this other person. And feelings lie. Feelings can lie. The Bible does not lie. The Bible is fact. And so we have to maintain our relationships based on truth. Now, 
Uh, you wouldn't want your pastor still hanging with people that run around and drink and do a lot of ungodly things. Would you want a pastor that does that? And you see me out here at the in-between, and I just tell you, well, I'm just eating chicken wings. <laughs> and I'm sitting at the bar, and I'm just eating chicken wings. And I got my buddies there beside me, and uh, I'm not really doing anything wrong. That's not my beer. That's their beer. It's just sitting here. I mean, you guys would be upset. Would, you, uh, would, I, would I would be upset if my pastor was doing that. Would you be upset if your pastor was doing that? <laughs> It'd bother you, wouldn't it? And you'd say, man, what in the world is this guy doing? <laughs> you would want me to have a good testimony, wouldn't you? And so be careful about that. And here it is. Well, you know, you, you, you haven't heard him preach. Or you don't know how he talks to his show. You don't know how he does this. You don't, and you just let your feelings get in the way rather than really look at the facts and the truth. So what is he talking about? He said, some men's sins are open before and going before to judgment. And some men they follow after. He said, instead of really assessing what's going on, they just go and do the same thing they're doing. Instead of really assessing it according to the scriptures, they just go get involved. And I just shared with you a moment ago, if a sinner's enticed, they do what? Consent thou not. Don't get involved with them. Now, the Bible also tells us in Corinthians, it says that we should never become unequally yoked with unbelievers. Does it not teach us that? Now, I believe that's not just about in a hand of marriage. I believe that's in business and in fellowship. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? Isn't that what the Bible says? And what fellowship hath Belial with, with a saved man? What's, what's, the, what's the connection there? And God says we need to be careful about those things and how we live. And he says, some men's sins are open before and then go before the judgment. And, and some men, they follow after. They go after those things. They participate in those things. And so, as I share this with you, the Bible says in Romans 16, 18... It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. People who do not want to follow doctrine. The Bible. What is the Bible? <laughs> the Bible's doctrine, isn't it? This is what you teach. If they're not willing to follow what's being taught from here, the Bible says mark them and avoid them. There are people who try to cause offense, try to cause division. And we need to be careful. And when they're trying to create that type of environment in God's house, God will not stand for that. He will put a stop to it. And by the way, he tells us in the scriptures that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. God will not let that occur. If it belongs to God and not us, and it belongs to him, he will not allow those things to occur. And he says... You have to mark those people because they're causing divisions and, and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we've learned and avoid them. So here's the challenge to you. Do you still run with people and still do things with people because you're trying to maintain a friendship when they've gone and made an offense according to the doctrine of the Word of God? We have to be conscientious about that. We have to be careful about maintaining those kinds of relationships. And the thing of it is, is that it doesn't mean that you can't speak to them or talk to them. And the whole role in that is if, if someone has created an offense like that, our role is to help them become reconciled back to the house of God. But we don't run with them. We don't hang with them. We don't spend time with them and do things with them because they've done something against the house of the Lord. And so we need to be very, very careful about that. And so he says this, he said, avoid them. 
He says, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And here's what they do. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. They go about deceiving people. That's their whole idea. Who is the king of deception? The devil himself, isn't he? The devil is the king of deception. And we have to be very careful because here's what we can do. We can allow friendships to get in the way of truth. We can allow friendships to get in the way of truth. And what it is, is that there are some people that are very good at being deceptive. They can be one thing for one person and something else for another. It's called a chameleon, isn't it? (laughs) And they can change shades and they can change colors and they can be one thing for one group and one thing for another group. And by the way, that does not make good leadership. (laughs) That makes false leadership. And then we as a people have to be careful about that. Folks, I love my family. But there are things I will not do with my family and will not participate with them because of things they do when we get together. And the reason that I do, the Bible clearly says uh, that we're not to become unequally yoked with unbelievers. And you say, well, you're, you're family. I am family, but I'm not going to a drink fest. And if my family has something like that, I need to avoid those things. And we need to come out among them. We need to be separate from those things. And that's hard to do because you're talking about your family. I just got called and asked to go to a birthday party. And they said, now listen, I just want you to know, we are going to have some beer there. I said, I won't be there. I understand. I know you understand because I ain't coming. (laughs) No. But the thing of it is, is that I'm not going to go to a function where I know I can expose my family to things that I disagree with. And the reality is, is we have to be conscientious of that. So even in your friendships, be careful because there are people who are deceivers. And the way this is written, he said, For they are the uh, uh, such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words, good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They are out to be deceptive because they don't have to be in front of the person that they're calling out, they're just saying things without that person being present. That's called gossip. And he said, be careful because there's men that follow after that stuff. We need to be conscientious about not following after that kind of talk. And if you participate in that as a believer, you need to be careful because Peter lumps them together with evildoers and murderers. Be conscientious about your talk. Also be mindful of those who have a good testimony and not for the sake of the accolades of others, but that they have a spiritual ethic that can be seen by others that glorify God. Look at what he says in verse 25. So he tells Timothy, listen, here's all these things you need to be aware of. And he gets to verse 25 and he said, likewise, though, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand. In other words, you can actually see good people, can't you? Have you, have you met someone and you just know, it's a good person? And you can see their lives and you can see their testimony and you can see their attitude and you can see their spirit and you can see what they're doing and they have a good testimony. And he said, you'll see, it'll be manifest. It'll be brought to light. In fact, this same subject matter is brought up in 1 Corinthians. Turn there. We do our Lord's Supper out of this. Turn to 1 Corinthians with me, chapter 11.
Verse 17 in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, it says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. And here's what he said. Look at verse 19. And God said, this is what happens. He said, for there must also be heresies among you. Now notice this. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. (laughs) God says sometimes things have to go wrong so that the the, the good that's being done and those that are doing good, it rises to the surface. Those that are doing right, it's made manifest. He said, it rises to serve. They which are approved may be made manifest. Those that God approves of will come to the surface. And what happens is, is you have those that are uh, people that cause division and want to be contrary to the doctrine that's in the scriptures. And, and, and a lot of times the talk is, is uh, that's just your interpretation of the Bible. That's not mine. And, and, and the Bible says there's, there's no private interpretation. It stands, and this is what it means. And it doesn't take long to break a study down or to break down a set of verses and find out what it's actually saying. And there is truth, and there is people who are deceptive in that truth. And we need to maintain truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. So be mindful of those who have a good testimony too, and not for the sake of the accolades of others, but that they have a spiritual ethic. And you can see it, and their goal is, is they want God to be glorified, not themselves. They want God to be the center of attention. And their actions demonstrate their spirit, and they do it in word and in deed. And others observe their spiritual maturity. They can see it in them. And they see that spiritual maturity, which shows they qualify for the position of leadership in the local New Testament church. And he says in this passage, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. He said, those that aren't doing this this way, they can't hide it from everybody. They can't hide it from you. If they're doing wrong, it'll be seen. It will come to the surface. The Bible says this, be sure your sin will what? Find you out. It's clear when someone's doing wrong, God will bring it to the surface. And there may even be a time where they're getting away with it. And there may even be a time where you stand back and you were to look at Psalm 78 and you'd say, Lord, I'm trying to do all these right things and look at how they're acting and all this kind of stuff. But they are on a slippery slope. They're on a very slippery slope. And so God teaches us in the scriptures when we're trying to place somebody in leadership positions in the local New Testament church, we need to be conscientious about what we're doing. We need to be praying and seeking God's face. We need to fast and ask the Lord uh, to give us wisdom and and choices that we're making. We're looking for the wisdom which comes from above, not just from within. So the church should investigate the lives of the potential leaders and make sure there's nothing seriously wrong in their life. This is sought out, and I believe it's done through prayer and fasting. You look at them, you pray with them, you talk to them, you uh, speak to them, you interview them, and you pray and you fast. Because there are some men who can be deceptive, can they not? And they can cause you and pull up a ruse and make you think that there's something that they're not. And the reality is, is we want God's hand in this thing. And then they'll do things that are observable. They'll have an outward testimony and an observable spirit. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Not that I might get patted on the back for what I'm doing, but that the things that I do, I want to bring glory to God. I'm not looking to get the pat on the back. I want 
the church to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want the church to be focused on what Christ is doing. I want the church to, to focus on him and, and not what we're accomplishing, but what he wants to accomplish through us. And then we get focused on him and that he's the center of attention. In 1 Peter 2.12, and this is what I challenge you with, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Having your life and your lifestyle, when you go out here, that they can see something. It's observable. They see your life and your lifestyle. It is an observable thing, and they can see it. And the Bible says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, in other words, they think you guys are fools and doing what you're doing, and you know they're no good, but here's what it says, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. There'll come a time when their mind will change. <laughs> That's a change of thinking, isn't it? They have to change their position because they're seeing this person's real. They're really doing this because they love God, because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> There's nothing in it for themselves. And so the challenge to the church is the teaching of the Scriptures will lead the church to choose out spiritually mature leaders, and that's what we have to do. And we got to do it according to the Bible, not according to our feelings and emotions. We have to do it according to what the scriptures teach, not about how we feel. But the Bible says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. And you have to run the church according to the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you.